Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Want to connect with a family member who doesn't speak your language? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning through an intuitive process. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And with a lifetime membership, you have access to all 25 offered languages. Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 for 50% off. Hi, everyone. I am talking to one of my favorite people, uh, but I have very, very crappy taste. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know what that really means. No, I'm 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 really excited because uh, this is going to be an easy, fun one. It, it's Nikki Glazer, And, of course, there's a joke hanging there because you're easy and fun. But I'm not going to say that. Thank you. I am. I feel. I feel, Well, I'm actually not easy sexually, which some people a lot no, of people I think know. I am I know, because. I uh, you know, that's the, what I joke about a lot, but, um, right. and that's a whole nother, uh, discussion that we certainly can get into. But, um, I like the fact that, yes, I feel like I felt the same way about heading into this podcast as well as like, it's, it's going to be easy. I'm just talking to yeah. my friend Andy and, yeah. um, yeah. It's, no, and it's I mean, I easy. was, I was just teasing cause I know that about you too, How dare but you, you are, but you are no, but you are like an incredibly easy person to talk to. And not just like, you know, because you're not stuck up or distant or anything, but because you're you're naturally funny, which there's some stand-ups that aren't like that. They don't want to waste it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I thank you for saying that, because I don't feel like I'm that naturally funny. I'm I'm giving with laughter and I'm uh, I'm interested in people. So I think that sometimes I'm not as funny as I would like to be off the cuff. Um, why? Why? Why do you think that about yourself? I don't know. I, I just I don't think that's true at all. Thank you. I now the pressure's on, and <laughs> I am going to try to be as quick as possible. But a lot of times I feel well, Andy. I have I have this kind of trick that gets people to think I'm funnier than I am, especially men. Um, and I I just laugh a lot, and it's always earnest. But if you laugh a lot. People think you're funny. They yeah. just think that, I mean, and this is true. If you laugh at the right things, you must have a good sense of humor. But sometimes I go on shows and I and I don't really get a word in, but I'm laughing a lot. And people are like, you were so funny on that show. And I'm like, I didn't say anything funny. They they just, it's a psychological trick. Yeah. Um, now you, you mentioned something that, uh, you know, you joke that like people make assumptions about you based on, your filthy, filthy, filthy material. Yes. And um, is that like, does that get weird? Do people come up to you and think, because like I find, you know, it's like managers and network people are like, you're so likable. And that's a nice thing to hear. And I agree with it. But it, I think sometimes people think like, 
I'm the guy that wants to talk to everybody and come on over and have a beer with us. And I'm not, I mean, I'm not a a rude person, but I'm certainly not, you know, I certainly don't want to go around and talk to everybody at the restaurant. No. Um, So do people make assumptions about you based on your material that kind of backfires? Yeah, I really relate to that of just, what am I putting out there that leads people to think that I, because I feel like I'm being honest about myself, but then people think I'm a huge whore. And it's, it's the thing is, I'm just, I, I, I talk about the sex I have had. And so if you even talk about it, it sounds like you're having it all the time. And yes. I like to deconstruct it. And I like to really talk about things that most people aren't comfortable talking about. And it's not, I, uh, you know, I have to defend myself a lot because I'm not trying to like shock people or make people uncomfortable. I just, I'm tr- talking about the thing that is interesting to me because I don't do it a lot, you know, and because when I do do it, it stands out to me so much and I want to investigate it and, and, uh, just uncover it. So yes, it happens a lot that, you know, I get hit on or people say disgusting things in my DMS and stuff like that. But I think the more, well, I, I'm such I'm in such a place right now that I feel like I don't even recognize the person that I was who talked about sex all the time in specials and stuff because I'm not having it. I haven't had it for a while. I haven't been in a relationship for a really long time. And so I feel very distant from that. So I feel like it's it's happening less and less because I'm I'm just not talking about it as much. I'd I'd love to. It's not something I'm trying not to talk about, but uh, is that yes. c- because of COVID? I wish, you know, it started before then. I oh. wish I could blame it on COVID. It, uh, yeah, I haven't been in, I don't know. I, I, I don't know why it is. I think that I've, well, the reason I'm fascinated by sex is because I was real, I was just a huge prude growing up. I was really scared of uh, boys and just sex in general. I was just like, I'll never be able to do that. That's so awkward and weird. And like, I was obsessed with it and and watched it and studied it and, talk to my friends about it, but I just felt like it could never be me. It just was something that I longed to participate in, but it was just, I was too scared. It was like the scariest thing to me. And I've held on to that. I mean, I was able to conquer those fears with alcohol, uh, eventually (laughs) (laughs) that really helped as it does every awkward situation. It just makes everything so much easier. And then I quit drinking and luckily I was in a relationship uh, when I like uh, right after I quit drinking, I was able to get into a relationship, which kept me like, uh, you know, like I, I got to really explore myself like soberly sexually in that. And then yeah. that ended and I'm right back to where I started. I'm 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 seven in seventh grade again, scared of sex, scared of intimacy, <laughs> scared of being alone with men, scared of being alone with women. Like I have a huge fear of sex and feeling like I owe someone something or they'll fall in love with me or I'll fall in love with them and they'll hurt me. It's just the fears I have of it are just, I mean, I, I, I've, I've gone on a couple like dates in, in quarantine, like outdoor dates. And the dread I have before those dates is, uh, it's, it's, it's like nothing I've ever felt. Like I, I, it's truly so uncomfortable and so miserable and I want to get out of it. And I'm just miserable a couple days before. And, um, you know, people say it as like a joke, but I would truly rather have a, 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 like a root canal. I actually enjoy going to the dentist. Um, I don't know why I think it's the heavy, like x-ray vest they put on you, which one time my dentist (laughs) did tell me I was autistic when I was 10. Cause I was just like, I had the x-ray vest on the heavy thing. Yeah, and I go, I love this. Vest, yeah. They feel so good. And he goes, yeah, a lot of autistic kids respond to it that way. That's probably what you, what you, why you like it. And then he left the room and 
Uh, and I was just, and, and autistic wasn't a thing I knew about when I was 10. And so I just kept saying autistic so I could remember it and ask my mom later. Cause I was just yeah. so excited to have an identity of like, I'm something special. Right, right. So and I was also, there like that you were diagnosed autistic by a dentist. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I was sitting there going autistic, 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 like as someone who probably is on the spectrum would do. Um, but yeah, I just, I, I have total, uh, uh, fear of 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 sex, but also want it so bad and am obsessed with it when I get to have it. And so I think that's why I talk about it so much in stand-up is yeah. because we talk about our fears and the things that we want so bad. Too. It's also it's also just an endlessly fascinating subject. Yeah. It's Agreed. just it's one of the most basic basic kind you know, it's like eating, breathing, drinking, fucking. You know, it's just, yes. just and and I find like now, and I'm not, listen, I'm not, I'm not one of those people that's like, you know, I like it better when a white man could say whatever he wanted kind of stuff. But <laughs> I find, especially now that I'm divorced and I'm single, but like, just if I make even a joke about horniness, it is met with like, ew, shut up, grandpa, you know? And so- which I understand. And there's a part of me that thinks like, if I didn't know me and I, I knew like, and I, I liked me. Yeah, that's that's a funny guy. I, I liked his work. He's a 54-year-old divorced guy. He's on Twitter. And here he is making jokes about being horny. I would go, oh man, class it up, dad. Come on, Jesus <laughs> Christ. Nobody wants to hear that from you. <laughs> Because it is like there's just something like like my sexuality is nobody wants to hear about it. You know, it's I, know just like, I hear that a lot from people w when, you know, we talk about this like, oh, yeah, it's and I, I and I do agree with you. It's it's it, there's something about a, a woman talking about sex that is much more palatable than a man because there's like a, well, it's more powerful in a way. It's it, you know what I mean? I, honestly, it is. It's like men have talked about men can have been able to talk about sex and own sex for a zillion years. And it's only recently that women can be like, I'm fucking horned up. Let's go. Yes. And it's yes. and it's a it's an empowering thing. And it's and it's it's fun and it's cool and it's you know, it, it yeah. certainly is more interesting. We're squirting hearing... all over that glass ceiling. <laughs> 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 yeah, you're you're right. I think that, that that is probably a part of it too, is the rebellious aspect of it of saying, like, I'm here, I'm loud, I get to do whatever I want now. I'm not you know, I, my mom is super prude and was always telling me, you don't talk that way. Don't, I, I was never allowed to talk the way I talk on stage. Yeah. And it was, it was really shamed. And I think that it's part of me just the same way when I go home and, and when I was living with my parents over the pandemic, I, my room was a mess. It was like this form of a rebellion. Cause I knew it would uh, upset my mom yeah. so much. So I think me going on stage and talking about blowing someone, is just like, it's a little dig at my parents and it's not. It, that's not a healthy admission. And I, I, I backed away from it. Having that be my inst instinct is to like upset them. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, are you in therapy? Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right now. Yes. yes. Uh, with you. Um, <laughs> yes. This is not what this is. This bill, um, this bill is going to be a motherfucker. <laughs> 
I, uh, yeah, I am, I'm kind of in between therapists right now. I went on, uh, I hung out with Whitney for like two days and she like forced her, uh, Whitney Cummings for two days. She forced her therapist on me and I was like, oh, I'll just do this because I want to make Whitney happy. And then I ended up really liking the woman and she was wanting to do a, um, the the EDMR, EMDR, the eye movement thing oh, yeah, where yeah, you like yeah. hold pulsers. Yeah. So I wanted to do some more focused therapy like that where it like goes in and and tackles whatever trauma I have because I think all of this is like really stems from just having a couple bad instances with guys who like came on too strong. Nothing like terrible, but like my first kiss was pretty rapey and I like had to push the guy off and he was mad at me and he drove me home and he was speeding and then he pulled off like so pissed that he almost ran over me. It was like, it was traumatic uh, to a degree. And I think that has led me to always be like, okay, well, if you're alone with a boy, they might kiss you and then they'll be mad at you and you'll lose your friend who you were friends with before that. And now he won't talk to you anymore. So going back and unraveling those specific things, as opposed to just talking to someone every day, which, because sometimes you just are seeing these therapists and you go, this is a podcast. Like I would- you know, it, it really is. I'm no different on podcasts than I am with these people. I'm pretty honest with stuff and uh, on air. And there were a lot of times when I would finish my radio show when I was doing it on Sirius and I would go to my uh, therapist right after and she would go like, thank you so much for telling me that. That's like so vulnerable of you. And I really appreciate it. I go, I literally just said that on air like an hour ago. <laughs> it's like that that wasn't hard for me to yeah, do. Yeah, I shared so, this with America. Yeah. Or at least people in rental cars because it was on Sirius. And so <laughs> uh, it was it was just I, I just want to go deeper than just talking to someone. And I and Dr. Drew for a while was like, you need to talk to an emotionally focused therapist. So I sought one of those out. And those are therapists that just hear your life story and then they mirror the emotions that you should feel about that back to you. So they just look at you mm-hmm. the whole time, like, oh, like God. this, just like so sad, like Uh-oh. really? And they cry for you because that's what I've been told is I like, don't feel my feelings, which I do that's, know. That's that, a crazy like, person. That's not a, that's not a therapist. That's <laughs> a crazy person. I, it, it, it felt that way. A lot of times where you have yeah. to comfort someone else about them crying about your trauma. What, um, well, what ultimately are you looking for? Like what's your end goal of doing therapy? Yeah, I, just just general, being happy, yeah. just being, um, being confident in myself, being not and not getting wildly depressed, uh, like off and on. And, that, and I have been problem? able to. Has it been forever like that? No, it wasn't forever. It started in high school and then it uh, got really bad when I was like got an eating disorder because it was just, you, you know, you're hungry all the time. Of course, you're going to get depressed. And then after that, I like a really bad eating disorder. I just never recovered. And then it would just hit me probably like every couple months. And I would just, I just felt it coming on. It would be like a a flu, you know, but which I don't even get, I don't get physically sick really ever. Knock on wood, knock on wood. I don't get colds and stuff, but I do get so sick uh, emotionally that I feel like I should be able to call into work, but you, you really can't call in depressed, even though there are many days I would want to. So now I'm, now I'm medicated and I'm, I'm good, but there are times where I, I just feel it coming on and the, the I brace. It doesn't ever go as deep as it used to, but I just, it's so scary to me that feeling that you feel when you're super, super depressed. I mean, Absolutely, you, you yeah. have it too, right? I've had it forever. Yeah, I've had it forever. I've had just like classic old depression. And, you know, it was one thing when I was younger. And I mean, for, first of all, when you're young, you're a fucking mess. Just, you know, like until you get to be about 
23, maybe you're just a fucking mess. You're, you know, you're a different person every three hours. And <laughs> so there was that time and I was really, you know, and going away to, and just learning to be out on your own. Like I have a 20 year old son now and yeah. he's going through that. Just like you go from being living at home with mommy and daddy to going out and having to like, Write checks for rent and shit. Oh my god! You just said write checks. I can't believe. Oh, well, you, said that. you know what I mean. You know what I mean. No, no, you're right. That was my biggest fears. I once, uh, in the middle of the night, woke up my parents and said, "I don't know how to write a check." And I think I was in seventh grade, and I yeah. couldn't sleep because of it because I knew that was in my future. <laughs> it was I knew coming. Yeah, it was coming, and I have no clue how to do it. And I knew already we weren't going to be taught that in school, and we weren't. You know, like yeah. just those those fears of leaving home. I mean, yeah. I really liked living at home and being taken care of and feeling safe. And I just, and I, I still have those fears, I guess. And, but and when, when you're, you when you're in it, you can't conceive of how you could not be in it. You know, like you yes. can't conceive of like, how am I going to be a grown up? You know, oh my like, God. how am I going to take care of myself? How am I going to, and you just do, you know, like eventually you do. Um, yes. But it's that 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 being in it and not that's when I started to get scared with my depression recently, like especially over this past summer, it hit some real low lows. I was living with my parents and that wasn't even the reason. Thank God I was living with them. Being alone would have been even worse. But yeah, I was just I was entering those states of feeling so such despair about the world, about my life, about who I was. I'm a fraud, all these things. And then I started believing like not wanting to get help because any help would be me living in an illusion. And I know the truth being depressed. I know the truth. And if I get on a pill that it's just going to, I'm going to be lying to myself and I don't want to lie to myself. You start to, yeah, you start to believe the lie, which is, you know, nothing matters. I'm worthless. I've fooled everyone into thinking I'm talented with all those things. And that's when you start to go, wait, this is like when people think they're Jesus, like this kind of delusional thinking of you're right. You're, you see everything correctly. Everyone else is wrong. And so that's when I was, uh, I, I really asked for some, some help. And I was like, I I gotta get it despite, despite not really wanting to fix this. Yeah. Because it's the, it's the brain chemicals. It's the mood disorder that's making you think you're shit. Like, cause you know, even when you, as shitty as you can feel about yourself, I mean, unless you're like a bad person that, uh, you know, is, did a hit and run or something, you know, I mean, if God, that hasn't happened yet. You (laughs) give it time. (laughs) Um, But you, you, you know, you're not as bad as you think you are. You know, you're not as bad as, as you beat yourself up. And I've always felt anyway, beating yourself up and treating yourself. And I've, worked so hard in my life to not have that ongoing, you fucking piece of shit. God damn it. Why can't you be better? You don't, you know, you can do better than this. What the fuck? Oh, there you, what are you going to sit there? You know, that is a luxury. That is in many ways, you thinking you're really being hard on yourself. You know, like you're really like, I'm the tough dad to myself. And it does, but it's not fixing anything. It's just, it's just, you're doing this thing that you know you shouldn't be doing. You're behaving in this way that you, you don't feel is pretty or good. And you know, it's destructive. So you're going to be like, you fucking piece of shit. And then you walk away like you would walk away from a traffic altercation that you think you got the upper hand. 
where nothing really changed. You know, the, everything was is the same, but you're walking away from it going like, I just kicked my own ass. And then you go doing the same shit, you know? Totally. That that self-talk is the, the root of it. And when you're able, and that's what I've been able to do recently is change that voice and and, and not even yell at the voice who catches me doing it. You know, yeah. I, if I'm going, Nikki, look at you today, you fucking piece of shit. And then I go, don't do it. Talk to yourself like that. I don't even say that. I go, isn't that funny that you just talked to yourself like that? Yeah. That's just a coping mechanism that you learned. But I've been really much better with the self-talk, which is it changes everything because that really is the root of it. But that's what happens is you yell at yourself for the destructive behavior and you only do the destructive behavior because you're uncomfortable. Like you overeat, you don't, you're, uh, you are mean to someone, you snap at someone and, and yeah. you're self-righteous, whatever it is, you're or doing you're that. Or you know, you're lazy. Or, you you're know, doing you're, yeah. that because yeah. you're dealing with a bad feeling and that's how you're coping with the bad feeling. So adding more bad feelings onto that is only going to result in more of that behavior. Mm -hmm. And so it, it's it's not helping anything. And I just read a book about the way, it's called Chatter and it's a bit about the voice in our own heads. And it is a new tool I've been using that this guy, this uh, neuroscientist uh, figured out that if you talk to yourself in third person, it, it increases your uh, output and the 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 value of what you put out there like so much if you just talk to yourself in third person because because it goes back to the thing of you would never talk to a friend the way you talk to yourself. Yes. So if you actually say in your own mind, Andy, uh, don't do that. Andy, go uh, get get up and go outside. Yeah. You will more likely to do it than if you go. I need to go outside. And yeah. so I've been just uh, talking in a lot of third person, you know, and reminding myself of that Seinfeld episode of, of Jimmy. And I'm like, Jimmy was onto something. Yeah. Nikki, Nikki thinks Jimmy was onto something. <laughs> Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places. Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Want to connect with a family member who doesn't speak your language? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning through an intuitive process. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And with a lifetime membership, you have access to all 25 offered languages. Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 for 50% off. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash podcast free. All lowercase, shopify.com slash podcast free, shopify.com slash podcast free. Can't you tell my love's a-growing? I also think, and I have had this feeling throughout my life, that the depression is like a, like a fucking alien on the spaceship that's really smart at keeping itself alive and really, you know, thinks of many, many different ways that you might think, 
all right, I, I got a handle on this. Like, just as a, for instance, the, the beating yourself up, like, that's what I'm doing. I'm really battling this thing. And the depression is sitting there, like, rubbing its hands together, going like, hee, 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 that's what I want you to think. Yeah, you're just Trojan perpetuating. Horse. Yeah, you're just perpetuating me. You're just making me go on and on and on. And, and, and you have to kind of, like, because also, too, I also find – and this is from being around a lot of depressives my whole life, even, you know, like, like this imprinting behavior from a lot of people. It's like, you can also kind of like soak in it. And there's something comforting to it because you just like, I'm stuck here. And, you know, and you start to, you know, there's a victim feeling of like, poor me here, so sad and I can't do anything. And there again, it's like, it's the depression saying like, you sit right here with me, hun. You know, like I, you know, like, yeah, you might not like me, but you know me, you know how to deal with me. You're comfortable with me because we've been together for so long. And when you have, you know, in the last probably five years I've spent, I still deal with it. I still have medication, but in so many ways I've become much less depressed, if not undepressed. And, and there's, there's, there was like some feelings of like loss about it. There was like some feelings of like letting go of this part of me that I knew was psychotic. I mean, just, it was just, it was unhealthy. It was a neurosis, but it was like, I, it became, it was like a part of my identity. It was who I was. I was part of me was being sad, you know? Yeah. And I think you hit on so many things there. First of all, talking about, I love the way you're defining depression as like this conspirator in you that's figuring out ways to to survive because I think that's the thing. We think that we are depression. Like it is us mm-hmm. thinking these thoughts when really it is a disease. I mean, it's it's some it's something you can you need to get rid of. I I was able to actually get over my eating disorder. It took a really long time, but the big thing that that helped me more than anything was I saw a therapist who just told me like, it's, you're not the one who's choosing not to eat. Like, that's not your choice. You have a disease, like people get cancer. Like you got infected somehow with this thing. And there's a voice in your head. That's like, think of yourself. Like it's the, your, uh, it's the exorcist. Like you're, you have the the devil inside you. And so as soon as I was able to take this thing that felt like me, it felt like, ah, why am I choosing to starve myself? Like I don't, and alienate my friends and be mad and sad all the time. It, 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 it took it out of my hands. And then when I was able to do that, I was able to drop it. And, and I think that's the thing is we think that we depression is us and that's who we truly are. And if we lose that, we lose our identity. And also the wallowing that you talked about of just sitting there and being comforted by it, man, I, I love that sometimes. And I love listening to depressing music when I'm depressed. I like things that help me feel it more. And you know, I I read a bunch of studies that say that's the last thing you should fucking do. Yeah, is yeah, yeah. To sad music, you feel like it'll help yeah. you express it or get yeah. it out. It's that's not put on put on a a happy mix on, on even though that music is so obnoxious when you're you're feeling sad. But it's it's pretty much everything you are. It, it feels like the easy thing to do when you're depressed. Don't do or feels yeah. like the right thing. Go against that because it's yeah. the disease talking. It's not you. Yep. Yeah. I. You know. I. My son's had a real hard year and that's a lot. I've been 
just trying to tell him, just do something, you know, go watch a funny movie. And I, I'm, and you know, and like my daughter, if the, cause this is just, this year has just been crazy. Uh, just like, unlike any, like you don't even, I don't even know exactly how to parent in this shit. Cause it's like, it's, you know, it's like another planet or something, but uh, just, there's lots of like, it's a, it's, it can be such a blessing to just distract yourself just to get yourself, your focus away from yourself. And, and yeah, go for a walk, change the scenery, you know, go buy a popsicle, you know, just get up and do something. Get out of yourself. I mean, the the thing that I never want to do, but it always helps is calling a friend who you think might need to talk to someone about their problems. Don't call (laughs) to talk about yours, but call someone and be, you know, as they say in like programs, be of service because when you help someone else, and listen to someone else's problems, you for it's just you get out of that wallowing thing. So it it really takes you out of it. And, you know, I've been journaling recently. I I have all these things that are because you want to stop it in its tracks because you start to feel it coming on. And I'm like, I got to like, it's like a migraine almost. If I pop an Excedrin when I feel it coming on, I can beat a migraine. But if I just go, no, I'll get to it later, then I can't get out of it. And so it's like this quicksand. So I, I do journal. I'll meditate. I'll try to like learn a song on guitar or something like engage my brain in a, in a different way. But the last thing I ever want to do, but the thing that works the best for me is always like calling a friend that I'm like, I need to call that person. They're probably struggling and ask about their life, but you're just like, I don't want to, but that's usually the best one. It's, yeah. I, that is a, yeah, a, absolutely. It, it provides perspective too, but it doesn't ca- entail for your own self-preservation. You have to keep a healthy stock of, of crazy people in your life. You have to keep like a lot of fucked up people around. You just. do. And and gr- gratefully, depressed people tend to attract those people. Yeah. I mean, and it's yeah, certainly yeah. in our business, we are, it's just, I, I mean, I, I've, ta- I've seen you post about depression before. And so I, I knew about your history with it and we've talked about it before, but I, even if I didn't, I could just assume that you get depressed. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like, it's hard to come across someone who doesn't, who is uh, as, as funny as you are. And but I was, that's what I was going to say about your son is, is very, and your daughter are very lucky to have a parent who knows that, uh, knows depression because I have parents who have never dealt with depression. Uh, They have no concept of what it is and they can't even imagine that, that their daughter who, who gets to, you know, have the life that I have, which is, seems like a dream life that I, I was drawn to because I wanted their attention because they watch TV more than, us, um, that, that I could ever feel sad. I mean, you, you're, you know, you're, you're doing Andy Richter's podcast. Like how could you be sad today? Like that kind of thing. Like that's, that's how they would justify it. And, and it's so hard to articulate, especially when you're in high school dealing with these feelings and, and have no uh, concept of where they come from and, and they couldn't relate at all. That was really hard. It's not, it's, it's not easy to talk to a, when you're a depressed parent, you know, a parent that's had depression and talk to your kid who is getting depression. Cause Hey, you just, you know, there's that feeling of like, Oh fuck there. Here's your legacy kids. Um, Your broken brain. But also it's, there is, there's a lot of, a lot of the, a lot of it having gone through it is in terms of like, we talked about the, you know, uh, like something I always say is you can't control your feelings, but you can control your actions. So you can do things and the, then it becomes, well, how do I, how can I do that? How can I, you know, I, I'm sitting here saying I can't do anything. How do I do that? 
And the answer as me, like the wise depressed one been depressed for years is um, you just do it. Yeah. Like there's no magic. There's no, there's no method. There's no crystal. There's no uh, m- mantra. There's just, you just got to do it. You just got, you got to do it. I think about the, there's some show I watched a really long time ago about someone who was probably like, you know, bedridden, just like a, a thousand pound person. It was some, one of those documentaries and, and they were beginning a weight loss journey. And you look at someone like that who can't even get out of bed, can't wash themselves. And you go, yeah. they're going to lose, they're going to work out. And it just started with him going like this with his hands, just back and forth. Yeah. And that to me is what just do something, just yeah. do whatever this hand flick is yeah. to, to you. And, and maybe that's taking a shower. Maybe that's making your bed. Maybe that's getting out of bed for five minutes. I mean, sometimes I'm depressed and I just go downstairs, I eat breakfast, and then maybe I'll go back to bed. But at least now that's a nap. That isn't yeah. a continuation of the, the sleep from the night before. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm napping now. Yeah, yeah. It, that, that's, that's exactly it. Like I said, I have been immobilized, and I have also taken steps out of it. And I, what made me take steps out of it was just taking steps out of it. Again, there's like, it's it. you think especially when you're in the midst of it, you think, oh, there's got to be like, you know, like a, if I could electroshock or there's a, a, a supplement I can take. And yep. so, no, it's just the, the, the behavior starts to affect the mood and, and well, and I'm on medication too. Sure. You know, that, that's, but that that's took a, a call to the doctor that took you going yeah. to the pharmacist. I mean, the, th- the hurdles you have to get jump through to get medication as a depressed person or an anxious person it's almost criminal how hard mm-hmm. it is to get meds when you're already someone who might struggle with all of the things that stand in the way. Like I get anxiety about insurance companies and like feeling like I'm doing something wrong. Like I, I have to get through. A, it, it's it's a, it's a it's a miracle. I was even able to like go to doctors and ask for help. And so those those are steps in and of themselves, even obtaining medication that you think might be a, a quick fix, which it, it 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 never is unless they're ADD yeah. meds. And then it. Yeah. I mean, it. yeah, exactly. And it is, it's a fix, but it's not the whole fix. Like you can't just take a no. pill and have it go away. You also got to do the talking part. Something that actually helps me is like when I'm feeling good is just making plans, booking things, saying yes to things that I will feel too bad to get out of and to cancel. And so yeah. just, cause that'll get you out of bed, just feeling obligations and feeling oh, deadlines. Absolutely. So thank God absolutely. for those. I wouldn't do anything. Like right now I'm in quarantine. I'm in the Cayman Islands. Uh, I'm, I'm hosting this show. Yeah, I've seen, I've seen videos of you, you and uh, Andrew. Yeah, my roommate. Uh, and yeah, yeah. That you guys, and I've been wondering, cause it's like, you see, you see the window and it's like, wait a minute, where the fuck are you stuck in this like little condo, but you can't yep. leave. Yep. Wow. We had, so when we got here like nearly two weeks ago, that's what they make you do here because on the Cayman Islands, they have no COVID. And so they're, and they have no COVID because they treat it so aggressively. Like you land yeah. and it looked like a scene from a pandemic movie and, and you go, Oh my God, this looks like a movie set. And you're like, Oh wait, that's the way it's supposed to look like right, they're right. supposed to, they test you when you get off the plane. And if you leave, if I leave and go beyond the caution tape, which is on my front porch, I will be fined thousands of dollars and, and have jail time. I mean, there's consequences. So, but then in two days, I'm free to, to wear no mask and just be nor it means 2019 again. So it's very wow. exciting, but I have felt very unproductive. I'm, I'm working on a show that has no real work for me yet. Cause I'm not like creating it. So I don't, there's nothing for me to work on. 
I, I'm not, I can't do stand up every night. It's great to be able to do these podcasts because this will make me feel productive. I don't know about you, but yeah, are you someone absolutely. that like has to be working and say like, I, to, to, to earn relaxation or like self-care, you have to have like suffer first. No, not no, that this I is don't, suffering, I don't. but. No, but I mean, I do if I don't do anything for a while. And it, well, and also too, for me, a huge difference is weed. If I don't, oh. uh, if I smoke weed, which I, you know. Oh my God, I'm so glad you brought it be, up. Beginning in my, the beginning of my, in my youth, me, it, weed was self-medicating. It me was too. like, I, I feel bad, smoke weed. I feel better. But, you know, the problem is, is that you just, you do that in a serial you know, repeating, repeating way, it, it becomes, uh, when I'm not high, I feel bad. So, you know, then, then it becomes a crutch. And even to this day now, and especially with the availability of it, it's, you know, it's not like it's killing me, but I certainly, I don't get shit done because I feel okay about sitting on the couch and watching, you know, some like Israeli cop show on Netflix that <laughs> no one told me about. I just happened to stumble on, you know, and uh, <laughs> so it's, uh, you know, I and and I'm in a period now where I, I haven't been getting high because and throughout the throughout the pandemic that I've been off and on and off and on. Yep, me and too. I'll get to be where like where I'm like, you know what? I could I could I deserve a little kickback. A little and then it's, you know, two weeks later, it's like, dude. You're telling my Jesus. life story. I'm so glad you brought it up because I, I wasn't even going to bring it up because that is one of the You're things a, I beat my uh, Exactly. And it's something that you don't want to be associated with being a pothead because in an industry where you're supposed to be on and your best self, I never want to want that connotation, even though they're very successful, well-known potheads that like, you know, and, and that's another yeah, thing that makes I, me convinced. How do they do that? I know. Well, how, uh, how do they do that? I got to say that for me, pot it is the same thing. I self-medicate with it. And I used to feel so such like a drug addict. Like I wouldn't even want to roll joints. I just would smoke it out of a pipe because I'm like, I want it now. Like I don't, I, yeah. I need it. Like I felt like a crackhead the way that I would consume pot because I'd need the instant fix. I don't want to eat it. I don't want to wait an hour and a half. I need to feel good <laughs> right now. And so- I, over the pandemic, I mean, I was going uh, in and out of, of, of the same thing you're saying. I'm going to have it as a treat after I get my work done, enjoy the show and go to bed. And then you wake up the next morning. And you're like, it might be fun to have this before I walk my dog. And then it turns right, into right. you're high all day. And then you start to feel high when you're not high. That's when it fe starts, you feel, yeah. start to feel weird. And I have, I've come around now. I've been off it now for almost two weeks because I couldn't bring it to the Cayman Islands. And it, I've been trying to get it. Uh, I'm going to be honest with you. I've been trying to smuggle it <laughs> standing, in somehow. Standing at the caution tape, yo-ho, waving money. exactly <laughs> what I've been doing. I'm just trying, and I, you know, I have to talk in code words because I don't want to get kicked off the show by like, you know, getting busted or whatever, but it's, I need it for, to feel good. Like I was smoking a lot before I came here and it was just to regulate my mood because my meds are not where I'm still messing with my meds to figure out the perfect balance. And I depend on it. And I am very productive on weed. Like, it, but here's the thing. I'm productive in the, in the short term. It's like almost like I get hyper-focused and I want to clean and I want to write and I want to yeah. think of ideas and make plans. And then over time, after smoking daily for two weeks, you start to be depressed because of the weed and it becomes... And you don't even get that jolt anymore because you grow such a, a quick tolerance to it. And then you just, you need it to not feel wildly depressed. And so I, I'm still struggling with it, but 
I am gentler to myself now about my weed habit because I used to go, you're such a drug addict. You're so weak. You can't not go with it for two days. You're doing it in the morning. And now I go, Nikki, you're in pain right now and you're in some sort of discomfort and you, poor you, and this is the only thing you have to turn to because the other things are too dangerous or not available. Mm -hmm. And- This is just what you need right now. You're, you know, you're still a little girl who's sucking her thumb, except that it's a, you know, rubber pipe she got off of Amazon that doesn't break when she (laughs) drops it every five seconds. (laughs) And doesn't show up on the airport scanner either. Yeah. Yeah. And it's in the Uh. fact that it is so ubiquitous now and it's so acceptable. I mean, when quitting drinking was hard enough with how that is just so accepted in our culture to get shit faced and, 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 and I got over that, but now with weed being, so like, it's good for you. It's it's yes. harder to quit than ever because you just, you know, you pull up Twitter and you see Seth Rogen being like, you know, Seth Rogen, the prolific Seth Rogen talking about how he smokes all day. And you're like, oh, that's I'm him. Or you see like Doug yeah. Benson, who's funnier high than not and can totally function and it's, and stays organized, all those things. And it's like, well, we're I'm I'm not them. But I also yeah, realize I that weed is the either. lesser of many evils, many, many evils. For yes. me. So if I need yes. it, I need it. And oh, well. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places. Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Want to connect with a family member who doesn't speak your language? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning through an intuitive process. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And with a lifetime membership, you have access to all 25 offered languages. Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 for 50% off. Can't you tell my love's a growing? I was just talking to my sister about this the other day that there's going to be fallout of the availability of weed. Because right now it seems... It's not as bad as drinking and it's fun and look at it, you know, all these different ways you can do it. And there's, you know, and then there's also too, if you're like the type that likes to nerd out on shit, you know, you can, there's fun strain names to remember and yeah. remember like, you know, sativa and indica and hybrid and what they all, which I, it's, you know. No, they're all the same. It's, it's like the difference between red wines. Like there really is no difference. Blind taste tests. Do you know that if people that claim that like, even like, sommeliers don't know the difference between uh, when they're blindfolded a room temperature white wine and a room temperature red wine that you can't tell the difference. It's all bullshit. All of this stuff is bullshit. I mean, I do think they could do certain stuff with strains, but if you're an addict, which most people who are drawn to these things or have addictive tendencies, you don't give a fuck what kind it it is. It's just, it's all the, the same. I just well, and also from coming from a from a you know when I you know you know you're, you're there was never what kind of weed do you want like <laughs> can you get me some weed and yeah. it was just whatever you could get you know 
Yeah, how did you consume it around your kids? Because that's the new thing of like (laughs) women are treating it now like wine. Like it's time for mom's wine and there's trying to be this culture around it that it's fine to do in front of your kids, which I I mean, I don't know. Oh, I'd never, I would never, I mean, I wouldn't do it in front of my kids. Right. Like when when people started having kids of like my age group started having kids and they would talk about getting high, but they're like, oh, but I'm never high around the kids. And then I would secretly be like, I'm high around my kids all the time because when they're little, it's really fucking boring. It's all repetition. So for me, like when you're like, what are all my kids? It was like, uh, like I gotta, I gotta check something behind the garage, go get high around the garage and then come back out. And then it's just like, Oh, you're going to go up and down that slide again. Okay. (laughs) Well, the thing is those parents might not be high around their kids and good for them for that. But the fact that they're waiting for their kids to go to bed until they can have the thing they want so bad and they're fixated on, that makes them assholes to be around. If you ever been around someone who (laughs) wants to get drunk and isn't, they're worse than when they're drinking. Yeah, but I did feel, you know, because like there's the yin and yang of everything. And the downside, I did feel getting high, like, and, you know, sneaking out to the garage and getting high. I always, I've likened it it's like there's a sneeze guard on my life like I'm with them and I'm you know I'm home and we're doing we're having dinner and then we're watching tv or something but I also am off on my own little stoned island I also am separate and I am you know there's a distance and that's not good and that's something that like you know, that was, that was, you know, the, the part of the sneaking around, even when I, you know, you could, I could legally buy weed. Part of the sneaking around was, was me withholding myself from the rest of the people in my life. And it was this way to kind of have this secret little state of, I'm taking care of me, you know, like, you know, I'm feeling good and I'm do I'm doing this because I, life is hard. I make money for these people, you know, and, and, but what I really was doing was, well, yeah. And stand and keeping an arm's length and keeping a barrier between me and everybody else. Yeah. And that's when you started um, hot boxing the minivan on the way to school, <laughs> bring them in. Right. No, you're right though. I mean, it all comes back to the, the lying and the sneaking. You start to have this little, you're, cons- you're like, uh, you feel like it's your own little thing and you deserve this. It's me time. And like, like it's like a, a, a bath or a soothing bath or something. And it's, yeah, it's not yeah. the same kind of self care that, that we're supposed to have those feelings about. It's, it really is creating a divide between you. And I mean, at least for me, when I look back on times that I was really high and around my family or something, and we, we were sharing a memory about that. There is like that, like you said, like that, that film over it where it's like, I kind of was there, but it almost is like I'm listening to them talk about like it, it, I wasn't there. There's something off yeah. about it. It's fuzzy, and it, and I yeah. and I'm not myself. But then there are times I have I I get stoned, and I feel like I'm more myself than ever. I'm just kinder, yeah. and 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 that's the thing. My mom is fucking awesome when she's high. Like I told her once, I was like, <laughs> "You need this. You are. I think you have depression, and I think that weed." It makes you so great to be around. And I was encouraging her to do it for a while. 
And now it's to the point, like, when she's nice to me, I just go, what, did you have a half edible? Like, I can tell it in her voice right away. And there's resentment there for me because I'm like, oh, it's just for me, for you to want to call me and be interested in my life or want to tell me how proud of you you are, you you have to eat a half a cookie that your your dad's friend gave you last Christmas that you've been hoarding. You know, like, that's always... Then I start to resent it. So it, it's 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 tricky. Do you, is that an ongoing thing with your folks that, you know, you, or is it kind of now part of the, you know, it's like your shtick, you know, the uh, routu- routine among all of you? Um, It's, you know, it's, it's, you know, I've had a, a long journey with my parents being like fun and partying a lot and my mom and their, them drinking and then me stopping drinking and, and wanting to be removed from them because of that and and resenting, like working on all these resentments in therapy. I mean, therapy is pretty much you just go and learn how your parents fucked you up and then you learn to like hate them for it and then you learn to forgive them for it and accept them yeah. as they are. And it's a long process. So I'm yeah. at that point, especially living with them this past year, where I just, no, no matter what ways they fucked me up, it has served me and I can see that now. And they only, they're not evil. They only meant well. They actually, I, that, that I did my best shit. I always was like, really, you did your, that's, I don't really buy that, but they, they love me. And that's, uh, and I've accepted that the things they're not great at is just uh, a product of how they were raised. And I do get frustrated sometimes though. And once, and I think, I try to, with my stand-up and going on podcasts and being so honest, is I want them to hear that and learn to be as honest with their feelings as I am, because I think it would free them from some of the the things that they struggle with that I, mm-hmm. you know, but you can't make your your parents go to therapy or or talk about their feelings. But no. um, I love them so much. And I really am grateful that, uh, yeah, I'm just, in the end, I am so thankful that for the parents I have, they really are are awesome and, and so fun. And, and I just like did a reality show with them over pandemic. I was living with my parents and I go, this is a reality show. And yeah. that's all the shows I watch is reality. It's like, that's what I like to watch. And I feel like if I was a producer on it, I could control it in a way where I wouldn't look like a, a housewife, you know, like flipping tables. So I was like, we should do this show. So I pitched it and then, you know, by the time I moved out is when they're ready to film it. And I'm like, oh God, right. I got to go back and do this. So we just <laughs> shot a pilot and they were hilarious. And it was in, now I realize I did that because they're going to be gone someday. And I want to look back and be able to see footage of them and really remember them. So it's, uh, and I want to spend more time with them so and, and have a reason to stay in St. Louis and not have to yeah. have to go back to New York or LA. It, you know, I've seen, I saw a lot of videos online of you guys on Instagram, yeah. <laughs> you know, throughout the pandemic. And there you can tell that there's a lot of love there and that it's, and like, I, I would, why I watch them <laughs> like, you know, like excited or not, you know, I don't yeah, know, no, excited, but you know, would. I looked forward to your videos with your folks Thanks. because A, it's a weird situation. Like totally. to, to have to go back home, Jesus Christ, I would- I know. I don't know. I think I'd sleep in the garage or something. I know. I just, uh, but I, it, but there did seem there's just warmth and love and you know and and it, you can see that they love you and they are very proud of you. Yeah, they yeah. they are, and you know I. I mean, they're assholes. They, but. they, yeah, they they are so proud of me, and they like I I realize now like I pursued this because of them. Like my dad's sense of humor. You know, my dad was the first one to turn me on to to Conan when I was fairly young and was like, you got to check out the show. And 
And I always tell this story, but the first time I saw the show, like the stuff you guys were doing, I just felt finally like understood. Like there's some, there's weirdos like me that laugh, that think like people are doing this stuff. You know, it just, it just, it blew my mind. I just remember the moment in like that I saw the show and then I became obsessed. And so the things he exposed me to shaped who I am comedically and I want their, I'm constantly trying to get their love and attention and approval and they love famous people. And so like that, and, <laughs> and, and the reality show thing, my mom loves reality. And I hear Howard Stern talk about how he got into radio because his dad only liked listening to the radio and he won his dad's attention. And I realized, oh, that's why I want a reality show. My mom lo- is much more interested in the housewives' personal lives than she is mine. And it almost yeah. bothers me that my mom doesn't, care that I am not married yet and don't have kids. Like they're totally fine with it. And I would almost rather her be like, so to meet anyone, like there's never that push, which is, is, is actually a very nice thing. Cause I don't feel any pressure. And also I want to say like, my parents are my like kids to me. Like they inspire me to work because I want to be able to get them into a really good nursing home someday. Like <laughs> I'm not even joking. Like I don't yeah. want to, I want them to be able to be taken care of and not get, you know, festering bed sores. So I right. take gigs. And that you I sure, you sure as shit don't want to be <laughs> no. sponge bathing them. Exactly. Yeah. I don't want to be, uh, you know, whenever they buy new shit in their house, I go, I don't, I'm not going to like look at that and go, Lauren, do you want this? Do I, I'm going to hire someone to go through all of this shit. Like I, Clean it out now, but the stuff you want me to keep because I'm going to have someone else do it. And that's that's yeah. why I work hard is I want money to be able to pay people to do the things I don't want to do because I, you know, but that is, you know, it's not about fame anymore. It's really about uh, being able to take care of of my parents. And until I have kids, I just, and I was hearing you talk about to Zach Galifianakis in, in your podcast with him about having kids and 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 how it motivates you and, and gives you just a new reason for living. And I really feel like living with my parents and seeing them getting more dependent on me and just, you know, uh, my eyesight and my ability to, to lift <laughs> chairs. Uh, yeah, yeah. It, it really was like, okay, I'm going to, I got to work harder. I'm going to accept this, this commercial that I don't want to do, or I'm going to go, you know, I got to think, I got to think about how to earn more money so I can afford that bunker. Cause the, the, the world's ending soon, you know? <laughs> well, I can, I can understand. Like for me, when I hear you say like, my mom's more interested in, Y- y- the the housewives' life than your life. It's because the housewives' lives are easy. <laughs> yeah. Like to be worried about your life is like that's real, and that's and like, she's not responsible I, for the countess uh, uh, having being yeah. being bad with men. Whereas right, right. maybe well, she has a a role for me in that. Yeah, <laughs> or and yeah, and if the countess really fucks up, who it's like it's good. It's it's it, whereas if you really fuck up. It's terrible. It's painful. It's awful. Yeah. It's the end of her life in a way, you know? You're so and right. I never even thought about that, honestly. Yeah. And it's, it, it's having kids. I thought of it when you were talking about it earlier too, that, you know, the thing about your, well, when you were saying, you know, your parents, the, the they did the best they can. Like, yeah, I see what you mean. Like, you got to aim high and like, you got to, you know, you can't just phone it in when you're a parent. But also the fact is it's terrifying. You don't know what you're doing a lot of the time. And I, you know, I had, it was, uh, it wasn't until a couple of years ago that I admitted to my son, cause he's the oldest, everything we went through with you, you were the first one that we went through that. Like you were the first, you were the beta kid that went to test. kindergarten. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. So it's kind of like, 
you know, and there's times even to this day where I make choices as a parent and go, oh my God, I hope this is the right choice. Like, I hope I'm not making it worse because, and if you're making it worse, like if you make a choice where you hire the wrong roofing guy, you, your roof will leak and you'll get it fixed. But if you fuck up with your kids. Well, you know, Elizabeth you Smart's know. dad hired a roofing guy who later kidnapped his daughter and took her to the woods. So uh, <laughs> That's the, I was the, giving the you that segue. Roo- <laughs> the decision on a roofer could be a, can be a fraud one. But um, no, I know what you mean. Like it's, I can't, and that is why I don't think I can have kids. I mean, the number one thing I always say about kids is like, how can you sign up for something that if something happens to them, your life is over? Like you will not be able to recover from that. I mean, that is the biggest risk and it's so could happen. I mean, kids are stupid and and, and there's so many, there's so many ways now that they can be harmed. You're signing yourself, you're taking such a risk. And I think being a parent is honestly like more brave than anything I've, you know, me getting up in front of, people and talking or whatever, like those things, people are like, you're so brave. You talked about your vagina on your Netflix special, but loving something that much that could, that something could happen and your life would be over and you'd have to live. It's just, I think it's the bravest thing. And I I don't think I could do it. You don't, I mean, I think generally it just becomes a thing where, you know, you're, you're with somebody and that, and it, and it just kind of comes on you, this feeling of like, it's time for us to have a child. Yeah. And I honestly don't think that you think about it that much Uh, until later. Yeah. Until Until later. I, you know, make it with someone. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it is like, you know, and I mean, there's plenty of people that have kids solo and that's yeah, totally normal too, you know? Yeah. I, um, everyone got into chess after, uh, the queen's gambit. Everyone was like, oh, I'm buying, I learned that I really want to get into chess. And I was like, I think I want to adopt an adult child who (laughs) can just take me on luxurious trips. I was like, that was the first time I was like, oh, you could adopt like a 16 year old. Like that sounds great to me. Um, because at that point they're less likely to like, you know, walk into traffic and stuff like that. And, and so, yeah, there is a part of me that like wants to adopt. And I actually, when I was um, getting ready to talk to you, I called my dad to be like, oh, you know, he might ask about my ancestry, where I've been, where I'm from. And so I, I asked my dad about like my roots and my dad was so excited to talk about all this stuff. But he, <laughs> I go, you know what? The Glazer name is 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 going to end with us because we have no male uh, males to like keep the name going unless I become a single mother. So I, I have, now I have even more incentive because now the yeah. name could keep going possibly. I, you know, it's but, uh, the, yeah, the main like, thing. I'm kind of like, eh. I know, whatever, I know. Yeah. But uh, it's all just. Aren't you a narcissist, you know, though? Don't you kind of like your last name? Isn't there a part of you that's I like. I like it. Well, you know what? I, I, yeah, mine is mine is a particular case, too, because my parents divorced when I was four. My mom remarried when I was nine. And my stepfather adopted, legally adopted me and my brother. So my name from age nine to 18 was Swanson. I was Andy Swanson. And you went uh, back through, to Richter. I went back to Richter because my dad asked me to. And I, you know, and I changed it. I'm glad. I mean, I'm I'm glad I changed it back just because it is kind of the reset of what I was born with. Yes. But honestly, I don't. You don't care. You know, like I, I think it's like when I hear women change their last name and they're like, they, when a woman nowadays changes her last name to her husband's name, I think that's I think it's bizarre. Insane. It's bizarre. Like, why is that necessary? I and there, agree there's with the ex- you. 
there's the extra added thing of like, well, if you have kids, whose name do they have? And I, I'm kind of like, I don't know if my kids, they, you know, they want to change their last name to Paltrow. They can if they want, you know? <laughs> I don't care. They'd probably be better off. <laughs> I'm very resentful of the last name change because especially any girl you went to grade school with or even college with, you can't find them anymore if they're married. Yeah. They're missing people. You can't yeah. locate them on Facebook. So every man that you were friends with back in the day, every boy you can still find, but every girl, you just you just throw in the trash this identity that everyone knew you by and it just... It's just so weird. It, it, it just seems like something we should drop. And so, yeah. yeah. Okay, maybe I can get married and just keep my name. I probably would. Or I'd uh, Courtney Cox Arquette it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or I, hyphen, I, but- I, I was looking to marry someone with the last name Beam so I could be Glazer Beam or uh, <laughs> uh, or Pointer, Glazer Pointer. That was always like my goal is to like have a funny hyphenated name. Uh, yeah. uh, Glazer, Glazer Donut would be good. Yeah. For okay. So if yeah, yeah. you, yeah, if you know any, uh, Greg Donut, will you hook us up? <laughs> Glazer Donut. You know what? This is supposed to be the three questions and all we've done I feel is like we just got to it, talk though. about life. Yeah. I mean, where are you from? You said St. Louis. Yeah. Where are you going? Uh, you're, you know, you got a reality show. Yeah. You might have a kid. You might not. You yeah. might get married. You might not. Sure. Um, I just want to be happy. But, That's where I'm going. That's what I, I yeah. want to find. I want to find serenity. And, and, um, right. and what I've learned you want to is, find some weed in the Caymans, <laughs> yes. That's, you know, if you know anyone, um, yeah. And then what I've learned, I think we definitely covered that. Uh, talk to yourself yeah. in third person. If you want to get things done, be gentle to yourself. And, um, and podcasts are, are, uh, like therapy. Yeah. I'm I'm actually in in the midst of starting a new podcast um, that will be out, I believe, by the time that this airs. So I, I have a new podcast called the Nikki Glazer Podcast. It's going to be a daily uh, daily podcast Monday through Thursday, and you know it's wherever you want to find your podcast, the Nikki Glazer Podcast. It's um, yeah, and it's just like a day, we're going to go through headlines and just quick fun. I'm trying to like create a um, morning radio show vibe. But uh, yeah. podcast version. And, you know, like that's I, a great idea. And yeah. the more I'm in, you know, this business as a woman on screen getting older, I just like hair and makeup really stresses me out and looking a certain way. So I just kind of came up with the idea a couple of years ago of like, I'm going to start getting good at, at at radio and podcast because that you can really age into. So yeah. and my voice yep. already sounds like a 65 year old woman who <laughs> so it's, it's 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 something I can grow old into. So it's. Yeah, this is, um, I, it's, I'm very excited about it. So daily, the Nikki Glaser podcast, Monday through Thursday, wherever you awesome. get your podcasts. Yeah. As, as I get older in this business, I feel like, yeah, it wouldn't be so bad if people weren't looking at me. <laughs> Not true at all. <laughs> well, Nikki, I love you. I love and you. I, and it was, this was really fun. So and, fun. uh, and I'm 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 glad your quarantine is coming to an end. Me too. So enjoy soon. yourself. Oh my Go God, get I'm... some shell get some shells braided into your hair. Oh yeah, you know? I, for sure. And I am very. I'm looking forward to having my first puff of marijuana after this two weeks. My tolerance is so down. It's going to be so fun. And then in three <laughs> days it'll be real sad again. But uh, right, right, it was right. great to talk to you about all of this. And uh, yeah. thank you so much, Andy. You're welcome. Thank you. And thank all of you out there for listening. Uh, I will be back next week with more Three Questions. I've got a big, big love for you. The Three Questions with Andy Richter is a Team Coco and Earwolf production. It is produced by Lane Gerbig, engineered by Marina Pice, and talent produced by Galitza Hayek. 
The associate producer is Jen Samples, supervising producer Aaron Blair, and executive producers Adam Sachs and Jeff Ross at Team Coco, and Colin Anderson and Cody Fisher at Earwolf. Make sure to rate and review The Three Questions with Andy Richter on Apple Podcasts. Can't you tell my loves are growing? This has been a Team Coco production in association with Earwolf. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com.